Welcome back. This podcast comes a little bit later than expected as I was busy with school last weekend and I wanted to honor both the time spent learning and preparing for the weekend as well as the time spent putting this together. Our assignment for our first weekend back was to write a five-minute homily. Mine focused on owning our story, how every part of our experience, struggles, weaknesses, and tears are a part of who we are. God sees the entirety of us as beautiful. We are a masterpiece. I want you to know that I spoke those words with confidence and meaning. I believe the words I speak, but I can quickly forget. I can forget that I am deeply loved, that I am heard and cherished and held in the hands of my Savior. Friday night, we shared our challenges and our blessings with each other, and I heard a blessing that made my heart happy and then sad, and then confused. On Tuesday, I was seeking counsel, and through the conversation, I became aware of something profound. I have already written a letter of forgiveness to the first person who sexually abused me. I placed the letter so neatly into my book, Surrender, but I never expressed the depth of my anger, my fears, my pain, I'm not even sure I allowed myself to fully feel those emotions. Some people look up to me for that, but I know better. My grief process was interrupted and splintered. Because of this, even though I have forgiven, I sometimes still operate out of the hurt that I never processed. And it can't be processed until it is acknowledged and confessed. Job is probably the best example in scripture of recovery from hurt. So let's look at his story in the book of Job, starting in chapter 1, verses 6 through 12. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. The Lord said to Satan, From where have you come from? Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro on the earth, and from walking up and down on it. And the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man who fears God and turns away from evil? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Does Job fear God for not reason? Have you not put a hedge around him and his house and all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands and his possessions have increased in the land. But stretch out your hand and touch all that he has and he will curse you to your face. And the Lord says to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your hand. Only against him do not stretch out your hand. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. Well, Satan ran with that, and we see in the next several verses just how Satan responded. So the Sabians attacked The donkeys and oxen, sheep were burned in fire. The Chaldeans took the camels, servants were killed. A house collapsed on his sons and daughters and took their lives. In verse 20, we see how Job responds. It says, At this, Job got up and tore his robe and shaved his head. Then he fell to the ground in worship and said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord gave and he has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. In all this, Job did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing. In biblical times, shaving the head and tearing of the robe were signs of mourning. We see in Ezekiel twenty-seven thirty-one, 
They will shave their heads because of you and will put on a sackcloth. In 2 Samuel, David and his officials tore clothes as a means of expressing their sorrow over the death of Saul and Jonathan. These were signs of mourning, so Job is full of hurt. But that wasn't enough for Satan. Job refused to curse God or to blame God. So let's move forward into chapter 2, verses 4 through 8. Skin for skin, Satan replied. A man will give all he has for his own life. But now stretch out your hand and strike his flesh and bones, and he will surely curse you to your face. The Lord said to Satan, Very well then, he is in your hands, but you must spare his life. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and afflicted Job with painful sores from the soles of his feet to the crown of his head. Then Job took a piece of broken pottery and scraped himself with it as he sat among the ashes. Listen to his response again this time. He's now lost everything he had, except for his wife, who was encouraging Job to curse God and die. He lost everything else, and he is now covered from head to toe in painful sores. He is racked with physical and emotional pain. And his response is to take a piece of broken pottery and scrape himself with it as he sits among the ashes. I'm sure part of the reason was to relieve the intense itching he must have had. But if we look ahead to chapter 7, verses 4 to 5, we read, When I lie down, I think, how long before I get up? The night drags on and I toss and turn until dawn. My body is clothed with worms and scabs. My skin is broken and festering. Job was suffering from something that made him appear unclean, infected, dirty. It's possible that in addition to trying to relieve some of the itching, he was trying to scrape away some of the infection, maybe looking for any solution at that point, anything that might begin the healing. Later in chapter 3, we see that his friends decide to comfort Job. In verse 12, it says, When they saw him from a distance, they could hardly recognize him. They begin to weep aloud, and they tore their robes and sprinkled dust on their head. So here we see his friends begin to mourn with Job. So Job begins to openly weep. Listen to his honesty in chapter 3, verses 24 through 26. For sighing has become my daily food. My groans pour out like water. What I feared has come upon me. What I dreaded has happened to me. I have no peace, no quietness. I have no rest, but only turmoil. His friends respond in chapter 4, starting in verse 3. Think of how you have instructed many, how you have strengthened feeble hands. Your words have supported those who stumbled. You have strengthened faltering knees. But now trouble comes to you when you are discouraged. It strikes you when you are dismayed. Should not your piety be your confidence and your blameless ways your hope? Consider now who, being innocent, has ever perished. Where were the upright ever destroyed? Job's friends have come up with this idea that doesn't stray far from what many believe. That he should not worry or be troubled if he has done nothing wrong. They begin to wonder what Job might have done to deserve the pain he has been caused. Before we continue with the story of Job, let's rewind for a moment. Job was a stand-up guy, blameless, scripture says. Job didn't lose anything because of his character or conduct. 
but Satan used Job's pain to tempt him into cursing God. Move for a moment into chapter 9, verses 25 through 27. Job acknowledges his need for a redeemer. My days are swifter than a runner. They fly away without a glimpse of joy. They skim past like boats of papyrus, like eagles swooping down on their prey. Then in verse 28, he changes his tone slightly. I still dread for all my sufferings, for I know you will not hold me innocent. Since I am already found guilty, why should I struggle in vain? Even if I washed myself with soap and my hands with cleansing powder, you would plunge me into a slime pit so that even my clothes would detest me. In verse 33, If only there were someone to mediate between us, someone to bring us together. Job is all over the place. There's even a slight hint of sarcasm in his speech. Look further into chapter 31, verse 35. Oh, that I had someone to hear me. I sound now my defense. Let the Almighty answer me. Let my accuser put his indictment in writing. Job is demanding an explanation. We don't need to read the whole story. In the end, God led Job to his correction. And Job received back all that he had lost and more. Have you ever experienced anything like this? Pain, deep hurt, loss, something crippling and gripping all at the same time, hardship, not associated with wrongdoing? Did you feel free to pour out your honest feelings in prayer? Did you struggle back and forth between the need for a rescuer, the desire for an explanation, the longing for a comforter, and deep down, outright, all-encompassing anger? Me too. I have too. But I haven't always felt as free to pour out my feelings. The friends of Job are not so different than some I have encountered myself. I have faith. I profess faith, and it's real. But I have allowed that to mask the depth of hurt lingering underneath, to quiet some of the questions I still have no answers to. For years, holding back the fullness of feeling was useful. It was self-protection. But then it worked against me because the only thing I could cover it up with was my addiction to sex, love, fantasy, and people. I worked hard at recovery from behaviors, repentance from sin, but I never addressed the need for recovery from my pain. We have to be careful here. Just as Satan was out to use Job's pain to tempt him into cursing God, Satan wants to use our pain to turn us away from God. But we know the ending. We know the victory is won. We have access to the greatest love story ever told. Because of this, we have the freedom to express our hurt, to be open. God knows our hearts, and he is never surprised or disappointed by our honesty. And an essential part of grief is feeling and expressing our feelings. So do that. Cry out. Sob. Scream. Ask the questions you long to know. And I will too. I imagine Job pouring out to God over and over again. His struggles, his wonder, his confusion. And I think of all the time he's spending with God in this process. The intimacy he is building. There have been times in my life 
where I have been moving along, things going well, and spending time in God's Word and prayer every morning. But it has been in the depths of pain and trial, where I have leaned into God with the span of my struggles, my wonder, my confusion. Those are the times when I have felt the fullness of God's hand upon me, where intimacy has gone deeper than I ever imagined. Sometimes, that's what I need to be drawn close again. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for difficult moments that draw us close to you. Thank you for knowing what it is we need to grow and to deepen our faith. Lord, let us remember that we need to purge and process our feelings in order for grief to be complete. Whatever that looks like for us, hiding or stilling our feelings prevents healing. Let us bring those to you, Lord. Let us open up and let it pour out and feel your light and perfect love filling us instead. We love you and we thank you for everything. Because in everything, you are so, so good. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Thank you for joining me. Next week, we wrap up our series on grief, so don't forget to tune in. God bless.